0: you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com.
1: Hi, I'm Jason Greenblatt. This is The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. Leisure and business travel is on everyone's mind these days. In the late spring, there seemed to be a collective sigh of relief and people were really ready to get out there. The summer looked bright, then the Delta variant hit. To help people better understand what's going on out there in terms of leisure and business travel, and also to learn more about what to expect if you could even predict anything these days, I reached out to Oliver Wyman, a global leader in management consulting with offices in 60 cities across 29 countries. Oliver Wyman's transportation practice helps clients navigate disruption, capitalize on innovation, and capture new opportunities. I wanted to hear what they were seeing and saying. Bruce Speer, a seasoned partner in Oliver Wyman's transportation practice, is my guest on this podcast. Bruce is regularly sought out by the media for his expertise on the travel industry, and he's a trusted advisor to airlines, hospitality companies, cruise lines, and private capital investors. I think you'll find Bruce's insight useful, interesting, and perhaps most important these days, realistic. I'm Jason Greenblatt. This is The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. Bruce, thank you so much for joining me today. Travel is a topic near and dear to my heart. I was a big traveler with my wife and kids over many years for vacations, usually at least twice a year, very often internationally. Obviously, with my work, uh, in particular in the White House, I was constantly traveling, especially to parts of the Middle East. And to tell you the truth, over the last uh, roughly year and a half or more, I've been more or less grounded. I have taken a bunch of trips to the Middle East, but otherwise... We've stayed close to home for vacation if we went anywhere at all. Very, very few business trips outside of the Middle East. So why don't we spend the beginning of this conversation talking about what we at all hoped was the travel recovery that we saw just before the summer, and now with the Delta variant and perhaps other variants, we're seeing a slowdown. Um, What are you guys at Oliver Wyman seeing, and uh, where do you think we're heading?
0: Well, first, thanks, Jason. I appreciate the opportunity to join you on, on your show and to share some of our research findings and perspectives on the outlook for travel. As you know, we've done the Traveler Sentiment Survey now three times. Um, if you asked me a year and a half ago, I probably would have said we'll do this once, maybe twice, and be past the, uh, the COVID dynamics. But in fact, this has been with us and continues to be with us for quite some time. Our research that was done in October showed building demand for travel uh, ahead of the holiday season. Um, and that also preceded the uh, the vaccine breakthroughs. So we were very optimistic and that unfortunately timed out with a significant increase in the case count around year end. As we readied ourselves to do uh, edition three, uh, which was in the market late June in anticipation of the summer demand, we saw the rise in the Delta case counts. And with it, renewed travel restrictions, and and deferrals in planned reopenings. So certainly a common theme is an increased appetite for travel, both for leisure and for business, in particular in the third edition.
1: So let's talk about business travel then. A lot of people that I know in their offices were supposed to be back in their offices in the summer. Many of those people had their plans delayed through the fall, some as late as the new year. Some went back to their offices only to be kicked out again. How closely is business travel tied to the return to the office plans?
0: Well, unfortunately, it is highly correlated to return to office plans. In fact, I would at this point consider it the pacing item, certainly for domestic business travel. On the international side, it's still very much related to uh, travel restrictions, um, quarantine requirements, and testing requirements. But domestically, it's the delayed in the return to office that's really deferring the recovery in business travel.
1: And many people are talking about remote work being here to stay either all the time or partially flexible working options. Will that also have a negative impact on business travel?
0: So it's a great question. Um, We try to be careful when we talk about remote work uh, and separating between the impact on commuter travel and the impact on business travel. There's no question that if fewer people are in an office, there are fewer opportunities to then go and visit with groups of people when traveling for business. Um, And there have been behavioral changes, certainly that may have been underway prior to the pandemic related to cost management, but exacerbated by the pandemic Um, to restrict travel for non-essential purposes, for internal company purposes. But we believe that business travel for supplier management, relationship development, sales and account development will continue and and recover sharply uh, when restrictions are lifted.
1: Bruce, what kind of statistics are you seeing in terms of travel demand? And what are you seeing in terms of travel budgets these days?
0: So on the leisure side, we've talked about the appetite for travel and in successive waves of the survey from May to October to June, we've seen net sentiment, you know, those traveling more than planning to travel more than before, um, go from negative 17 to negative four to now positive 16 points. So 16% of respondents expect to travel more than those who travel expect to travel less. And so we're seeing significant appetite for travel, and only 9% of those who plan to travel in the next couple of months have actually booked their trip already. And then on, on the business side, uh, 76% of business travelers plan to travel domestically in the next three months, and only 2% of business travelers have booked already. So again, we, uh, we hadn't really expected it when we did the research, but there really is a, a, a similar dynamic of pent up demand uh, on the business side Um, that we're waiting to see. On the budget side, when we ask people, has your travel budget increased or decreased as a result of COVID-19? The percent that have increased is only 18%, but those that have decreased is closer to 30%. So a negative 12 point swing. However, when we ask the same question of frequent flyers, those with elite status, it's a positive seven towards increased budget. So we're expecting those people that tend to travel more that are likely in higher income brackets are going to be spending more on travel. And we asked further what they were likely to spend it on. And the leading responses were meals and dining, longer trip, more on enhanced activities and experiences uh, than they had originally planned.
1: How about mass gatherings, mass interactions? So we see, for example, Broadway shows are opening. I've got probably a dozen offers in my mailbox in the last three weeks alone for Broadway shows things like the World Expo in Dubai are about to kick off. Uh, Other conferences are starting to kick in again. Is there an appetite for these types of events? And are we optimistic about the attendance at these events? Or are people still very nervous?
0: So the good news is from October to the June survey, Jason, we've seen uh, traveler comfort increase significantly across the board. Um, In fact, the The point change in areas where people were most comfortable has improved almost 10 points in areas like restaurant dining and taking a domestic flight and improved 15 to 20 points in areas such as attending a concert or sporting event or uh, using public transportation. But we still do see an elevated level of anxiety or avoidance. roughly 20, 25% of those mass gathering types of activities or public transit versus 10 to 12% avoidance for restaurant, hotel, rental car, and domestic flying.
1: It's interesting because that's what I would say my family's like. We happen to be pretty cautious. You know, Everybody makes their own rules and some people throw caution to the wind. Some people who think they're super cautious really aren't. But my kids have recently attended some sporting events. We are doing restaurant dining, though we much prefer outdoor restaurant dining. If uh, I had the time, I would actually fly to Dubai to see the World Expo. And mind you, the last time I took my family to Dubai was in November 2020, and we flew with, or my wa- I should say my wife made us fly with not only double masks, but face shields. I think this time if I went, I might continue to double mask, but I'm not putting that face shield back on. So I think people are just aching, <laughs> aching to get out again. And, I, and it's a question of what their level of comfort is. Perhaps Broadway shows, I'll wait a bit because it's just so confined, so close, that kind of thing. Whereas an outdoor baseball game or the World Expo make me uh, a little bit easier.
0: I think what we're seeing on that specifically is that people who are passionate about the particular activity, whether it's baseball or Broadway or cruise lines, have a much higher comfort level in re-engaging in those activities. And when we look at the results in terms of avoidance, let's pick cruise, for example, it was 30% across all respondents, but it was almost half that of those who have cruised before or plan to cruise following the pandemic.
1: So we're a big cruise family and I'm dying to get back on a ship. It's an amazing way for people to take kids and see the world. And I would probably feel comfortable as much because I love it. My wife isn't Equally uh, avid cruise fan, but I think she would be a little bit more concerned. Uh, but I think there is a lot to do outdoors. You know, you could even have your meals outdoors. A lot of the entertainment could be done outdoors. So I'd feel pretty comfortable, especially since we're all doubly vaccinated. Let's talk about vaccination passports. A lot of talk about, you know, people are frustrated. Why can't there be one uniform system for everybody to kind of understand when they travel that? you know, what the expectations are to get into the method of travel or the entertainment venue or the country or whatever it is. And then others are saying that it's very hard, very hard to prevent fraud, for example. Different countries and different companies have different sets of rules and see things differently. What's your take on the concept of a reliable vaccine and widespread use of some sort of vaccine passport?
0: There's a lot to unpack there. The situation was politicized and sensationalized from the outset, with some downplaying the risks and others reporting hospitalizations and fatalities 24 seven. So people naturally gravitated into two camps based on their beliefs rather than on science. And that made it hard to have substantive dialogue about pros and cons of alternate strategies to fight the pandemic. And even under more constructive conditions, other challenges remain. Um, so for example, a risk posed by COVID-19 has changed. Early on, there were tremendous number of hospitalizations and people getting uh, intubated. Um, Now Delta remains highly contagious, but the rate of hospitalizations is way down. And a lot of that has to do with the vaccines. So vaccine breakthroughs have been unprecedented, and the results are undeniable. Um, And a vaccinated person is far less likely to develop severe complications with COVID-19. However, there are some who are worried about possible side effects and taking a wait and see approach. And the more unvaccinated people there are, the more the disease has an opportunity to transmit and mutate. And lastly, others see this as a matter of freedom of choice to vax or not to vax. This strikes me as a misplaced notion of personal freedom. After all, it was the vaccine mandate that eradicated the smallpox virus. And lastly, the vaccine themselves are not the same. And may not confer the same level of immunity or duration of protection. So is a booster shot required at six months for one but 12 months for another. And how will we treat travelers from who are trying to enter our country with vaccines produced in countries that don't share their data. So I view this as particularly challenging domestically and even more so internationally, but that said, I'm encouraged by the recent moves by the U S to reopen travel to Europe for vaccinated travelers and that this is the best path forward to reopen international travel. And it's probably
1: overdue. Very, very challenging. I'm sure. What type of businesses do you think might gain the most from the new forms of travel? So for example, we normally plan our summer trips, Way ahead because we typically have extensive itineraries in my family when we travel. This time we literally planned at the last minute. Uh, So we were on the Airbnb and other types of websites trying to find last minute accommodations. We weren't looking for airfare this time, but rental cars last minute. Do you think that there are companies that will benefit from this last minute travel booking until uh, this is over? And are there those that are really losing because of the last-minute nature of travel, or are we unique and people are still planning ahead?
0: There's certainly going to be some winners and losers as it relates to uh, an inc- a propensity to book last-minute and continued anxiety among travelers, or at least leisure travelers, to engage in certain activities and certain experiences. So we've seen a, a tremendous demand for rental cars. Um, we expected to see similar demand for Airbnb, but it's actually been somewhat moderated by what we see in the research, which is a, a higher level of trust among travelers in known brands. So that's where hotels and even domestic airlines, where people have had loyalty program engagement and, and more frequent engagement correlates to their trust. But yeah, the greater the more uncertainty there is, the harder it is for airlines, hotels, and really any other travel provider that would rely on early booking demand to then yield manage accordingly as the closer to the event or departure to to price effectively in the market. And in the most extreme case, they've had to waive restrictions in order to encourage people to book early, but allowing them to cancel as you get closer.
1: So that's what puzzles me, the waiving of restrictions and cancellations. There are some travel providers that are actually doing a great job. If I know I can take the risk off my plate and book and cancel if necessary without any financial penalty or perhaps a small financial penalty, I'd feel much more comfortable booking. But not everybody's doing that. A lot of them are potentially putting the risk on the buyer, maybe even in the form of a credit, but the credits typically expire. And then it seems that there's no travel insurance available for this type of travel. If you were advising clients based on the research that you've done, do you think they would be better off, whether it's an airline, a cruise ship, cruise company, or otherwise, giving more flexibility and really almost giving full refunds to customers to get people back in the door, so to speak?
0: Jason, the need to offer flexibility is directly related to the booking lead time. Modes and experiences that rely on long lead times, such as cruises, conventions, even concerts, need to offer consumers flexibility, either to plan the logistics that surround the event, um, such as travel to the port, or even to the venue. However, those that operate in a seven-day booking window in normal times really don't need to waive rules and restrictions. It gets complicated for a domestic airline that typically relies on price-sensitive leisure demand, which books early, and less price-sensitive business demand that books late. So waiving restrictions eliminates the provider's best way to fence that demand and maximize revenue so essentially waiving restrictions and rules becomes terribly dilutive for a lot of the industry
1: what about navigating covid restrictions both domestically and internationally i'll give you two examples Uh, in traveling internationally one of my kids is heading overseas and the restrictions are not only changing all the time We've spoken with people going there to this country, and they each have different experiences. Some get through the system easily. Others who thought they had all the right paperwork don't get through the system at all and get very frustrated. And, you know, of course, everybody knows at this point if you're traveling internationally, you need a PCR test that's not more than 72 hours old. But usually there are other things as well, including vaccinations, how long the vaccinations are in effect. And usually the websites for... These places are not as up-to-date as they ought to be. A separate example domestically is we went a couple of weeks ago, my family and I, to uh, a Manhattan venue. So let's just call it a show. It wasn't a Broadway show. We didn't realize that you needed uh, proof of vaccination to go there. It wasn't written in the, in the rules when we, bought, when we bought the tickets, but luckily we had pictures of the vaccine cards on our phones. So they took a look at the pictures and said, okay, and then we all commented to each other. It's just so strange because how do they know that we are the ones whose vaccine cards, you know, who, who belong to these vaccine cards? They were just sort of checking the box. And maybe that's because they won't get fined since they checked the box. But as a customer, I thought, well, if the purpose is to make me feel more comfortable that everyone is vaccinated in this venue, I certainly don't. What, what happens? What, how do we navigate these restrictions?
0: I've personally been on the receiving end of the uh, the challenge that you're talking about, um, entering Europe with an essential purpose and uh, subsequently arranging travel only to be denied boarding by the airline because transiting the third country rules were different from my the, the rules of our final destination. So it is complex and it is challenging. Um, and I think one of the issues for any travel provider such as an airline is understanding the, the customer's origin, destination, routing, and also citizenship, which also factor into all of these uh, rules and restrictions. And then lastly, there is some subjectivity uh, that may be applied on the inspection end as to the the validity of the vaccine paperwork that people present, because not all the labs are presenting the information in the exact same format. Um, So unfortunately, there is a fair bit of variability and uncertainty in the system today. Um, It's certainly my sincere hope that we get to something a bit more standardized and consistent as it relates to international travel.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be messy for a bit of time yet. In a post-COVID world, what what are the travel industry professionals thinking might outlast a resurgence in travel. So for example, I mean, I mentioned, I hope never to wear a face shield again, but I'll probably be wearing a mask for a while, Uh on planes. Uh, what are the type of things that you think might still be around for quite some time?
0: So interestingly um, in the earliest versions of our traveler sentiment survey, it was the first time we ever saw anything surpass price as the most important factor in getting people to travel. And that was cleaning practices. We saw it at the hotels and at the airlines. In subsequent waves of the survey, health measures and, and cleanliness have decreased in relative importance. And when we asked about willingness to pay extra for those, it was a resounding no in the most recent survey. So our expectation is that it will be table stakes for travel providers to assure people they're providing a safe and secure experience With appropriate cleaning protocols in place, but it's not going to appreciably change the passengers' expectation or travelers' expectation around the experience, and that the experience can't be compromised from what they've come to know and love.
1: Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of complaints from people, both in the who are traveling by plane and going to hotels, that while they are appreciative of the COVID-related cleanliness standards that are being upheld, they're also frustrated that they're no longer getting the service and amenities that once was common. And their chief complaint is at this point, you know, airline or hotel company, you should know what's up and you should be able to do both. Are you seeing Mm -hmm. that in the industry as well?
0: We're definitely seeing a shift back in terms of traveler expectations of what's most important um, from health and safety to Yes, health and safety, but what I really care about is airline loyalty status, how they treat me, uh, how my onboard experience is, or my guest experience. So yes, to put it succinctly, um, we're definitely seeing a return to the focus on the core passenger experience, that it's not one or the other.
1: You know, sometimes it's the passengers who have to do better also. We read a lot of news stories about how airline employees are being mistreated just for enforcing the rules, whether they're legal rules or rules imposed by their airlines. So I hope the listeners take that to heart as well because these airline employees really have a tough job navigating the rules, and they're doing the best they can. In some cases, maybe they're messing up, but I think for the most part, we ought to recognize that we're all in this together and make the experience as pleasant as possible, and it's on the passengers too to do that. But when we talk about airline employees, there are definitely different approaches from different airlines about vaccine mandates, mask mandates. Do you think that there might become a standard, at least in each country, for vaccine mandates, for example? Or do you think really each company is just gonna have to decide on its own and the process will be as messy as all the other things we discussed earlier in this podcast in terms of rules, regulations, getting in and out of a country, that sort of thing?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a challenge to expect all countries to adhere by the same set of rules and expectations regarding um, their citizens, much less the employees, um, in part because there isn't a consistent agreement regarding the degree of risk posed by COVID-19, much less the uh, the vaccine efficacy. Um, on the risk side, you know where society has really come together to eradicate a dangerous pandemic, you know smallpox measles, mumps, rubella, and made vaccines a requirement, um, it has clearly worked. In other cases where vaccines are used but optional, such as the flu, it's certainly an individual's discretion as to whether or not they get vaccinated. And where COVID falls on, the degree of risk and vaccine strategy is still something that a lot of countries are working through, um, much less countries and companies. As it relates to the traveling public, I, I do believe the fastest path to getting full airplanes and reopening international travel is a vaccine requirement um, with or without the uh, mandatory three-day testing. Um, because the full restrictions, you know, the quarantine requirements are a non-starter for most forms of leisure travel and all forms of business
1: travel. I think that's right. I think unless you have to go to another country... You must have a business meeting or you have you know, close relatives, some family event, or you're going to be there for a long time. People that I know uh, do everything they can to avoid going anywhere where they'll have to quarantine for longer than a day or so. Let's, uh, let's focus on one last question, if I can. So we discussed earlier on that everyone was optimistic pre-summer that travel has returned. And in fact, it did for a brief period of time. As recently as a little while ago, there was a Wall Street Journal article that was headlined, U.S. Airlines Warn of Dimming Outlook Amid Delta Variant. Nobody has a crystal ball. But what are you hearing from the industry, airlines and otherwise, in terms of how much longer they think they're going to have to ride this uh, this out?
0: So I think we're seeing renewed optimism, uh, and in particular with the planned opening of travel between uh, the US and Europe um, coming in November. When we did the research in June, we saw a lot of enthusiasm for travel, which has since only modestly panned out due to the Delta case counts rising and the delay in return to office. We expect that that enthusiasm to travel remains intact and that with the planned liberalization of travel between the US and foreign countries Effective November first, that we should be setting up for a very robust Thanksgiving and Christmas season this year.
1: Well, that's certainly very, um, very heartening to hear. I hope it ends up being accurate. I've read your reports. I think they're really, really helpful. I truly hope you don't have to do one more. Uh, meaning, I hope things will continue to uh, to look in a more positive direction. But if you do have to do another one. I will absolutely read it again. So, Bruce, I want to thank you. This was very informative. Uh, I think we could all acknowledge it's uh, still messy and choppy, but I'm glad to hear that there's a uh, a good outlook towards the end of the year that people are hoping for. So thank you so much for taking the time to share your insight with us.
0: No, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure.
1: I'm Jason Greenblatt. I really appreciated Bruce's thoughtful insight into where we are and where we might be headed. As expected, there are no clear answers to some of the questions that are plaguing the travel industry and travelers themselves. What is clear is that people thirst to get out. But are they ready? How much risk do they want to take on? And how is the industry responding? I was glad to hear that the industry is looking forward to something stronger toward the end of the year and time for the holiday travel season. Let's hope it happens. As with all things COVID-related, nothing is predictable. Let's plan for the best, but be ready to pivot. If you found this podcast informative, please do share it in my other podcasts with your friends and family. You can listen to The Diplomat on Apple, Spotify, and wherever podcasts can be heard. I'm Jason Greenblatt. This is The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek.